We are live. We are absolutely live. Welcome to another edition of the No Choftes podcast, the last European Championships podcast until next European Championships, I guess. I'm your host, Stel. I have got Steve Rodriguez, Double D from the DD Footy Factory, Mike Pieri, and Steve Shaw, the winner of our European Championships auction. <laughs> it was a that. close one. It was a close one, but you did it. And do you know who won it for you? You. What do you mean me? You got me um, Belgium's right back when no one was going to sign him. And he got me 15 points from the off. No, it was <laughs> fucking... Oh, I've got to get my fucking book out with the points. <laughs> Motherfucker. I had a name on the tip of my tongue here. The person that won it for you was... Well, it was Harry Kane because when, when I was doing the points at first... No, it wasn't Harry Kane. You didn't know Harry Kane. It was uh, Raheem oh. Sterling. Sterling. Raheem Sterling won it for you because he had a gargantuan tournament and Mason Mount got you 19 points Munier got you 29 and uh yeah and I must admit, are I, you happy I'm always happy to win something I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan it's very rare that happens now <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get all the Arsenal fans now terrorizing you're not a proper fan uh, you're not a proper fan you don't you don't respect us you weren't there no, I'm, I'm not even going to start on that. Don't get me started no, on Arsenal. No, no, no. <clears throat> we don't do that. We don't do that. Anyway, gentlemen, welcome. Steve, how you doing? Steve Ayer, how you doing? I'm really good. Are you still? Yeah, all good, mate. Well done for your Talks Walk gig the other day. What well, Talks Walk? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was good in the morning. Yeah, I was well looked after and didn't have far to go because it was a live broadcast, but it was at Hotel Football. Oh, um, really? So, yeah. okay. So, Gary Neville allowed them the... Okay. Yeah, so it was just 15 minutes early start, but... Uh, Trevor Sinclair, Tony Cascarino, Natalie Sawyer. And uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. Excellent. Wonderful. Rodri, you good? Yeah, I'm good, mate. You? Yeah, absolutely fine, my friend. Love the baseball cap. Yeah, good night last night. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we'll go into that in just a moment. And <laughs> oh, wow. Double D. <laughs> double D. What's, what's going on, brother? Yeah, I, I've just realised that the D, the D at the beginning should be at the end of road. Roadman. Oh, look at this guy. <laughs> oh, so, so when I wear a hat, I'm a roadman, but Rodri wears one. Rodri's hat looks nice, yeah? <laughs> yes, but you, you've you got your Craig David hat going on, man. I'm expecting you to sing Seven Days for me, whereas Rodri's got a bright red cap. Mind you, Rodri could pass off as a, as a blood, I guess, you know? <laughs> He's, he's he's red in a city of red and blue. Oh, oh, Steve Steve has the crip. Yeah, that's how we're doing it. Yeah? <laughs> Be crip walking. That's what I'm saying. Steve can crip walk better than Snoop, bro. <laughs> and Del Pieri, Mr. Pieri, Mr. Mr. Volunteer, Mr. Man of the Hour. Did you, you're gonna you're gonna get a badge from the Queen. Why? You? For your for your for your, your services. services. Your yeah. services to, to football for what you did last night, throwing your body in the way of all those <laughs> louts. <laughs> Trust me, I didn't. I was going the other way. You forgot. You were the you one that go. let him in. It was, <laughs> hey, if I was letting him in, I would have been in there. It was carnage. Honestly, it was carnage. Mike, was, you know that, that, that Bournemouth uh, steward that was doing that? that it just wasn't even... Oh, that was that was that steward. Like, no, you stink, mate. Fucking going. 
you are the cause of the problem, Mike. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, blimey. Well, look, gents, this is going to be a fucking hilarious show, I can tell straight away. Um, only one place to begin. Only thing, one thing to talk about, really. England got to the final of the European Championships. We saw the, the, the banners. The, we heard the songs. We've seen everything. They faced Italy, who were, I'd say, dark horses at the beginning of the tournament. Not didn't have stellar names, not massive names, but we knew that they had the points to prove given they didn't qualify for World Cup 2018. They started the tournament like a house on fire. They reached the final. They beat England on penalties. Steve, you said that it would go the distance, but England would win on penalties. Yes. But before we talk about the, the, the shootout, which I'm sure we're going to go into at great length, when you saw England's lineup, three at the back, wing backs, what were your first thoughts? Um, well, obviously, I, I did get a bit of an insight on, on, on who was going to play, who was basically coming back into the team um, 24 hours before. So I, the, I think the game plan was to keep the game out of the middle of the pitch uh, because Italy are better than England in there. And I think we hold our hands up to that numerically, um, certainly technically. And I think England were going to try and attack by down the flanks. And uh, I think the idea was to give some width try and draw the full-backs to our wing-backs and hopefully leave Bonucci and Cellini isolated around space. But uh, that actually was a fantastic game plan for about 25 minutes of the contest, and that's all. In my opinion. So, when you saw Kieran Trippier on the team sheet, obviously yeah, you, like... you know him. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're thrilled. Yeah. Are you thinking, well, he's going to be doing more defensive work because Carl Walker was there. And I know people are going to say to me, well, Carl Walker was a third centre-back, but effectively the plan was for Walker to overlap. It was that element of surprise, was it not? Well, it was the overlap of Walker, um, which which helped Kieran with the cross. There's never only going to be any problem with his technique picking anybody out, but it just bought in that little bit of time. Obviously, um, Emerson didn't know whether Kieran was going to slip the ball to Walker inside the penalty area. So uh, that was a good move. We didn't really see it again, but I'm not too sure Walker was supposed to do too much overlapping still from right centre-half, even though it gave his joy in the first two minutes. Uh, but I certainly think Kieran was going to hold the wide on, on one side and show the other. And I know there's a lot been said that they went wing-back to wing-back to score the goal. Um, but it was almost, for me, like possibly we caught Italy cold with that, with, with the quality of it. But they quickly reorganised, they got to grips with it, they levelled uh, the contest uh, before they scored in terms of uh, possession each. And then Mancini made some fantastic subs where Gareth Southgate didn't and they took the game over completely. So um, I was delighted to see Kieran play, yeah, answering that question. But uh, there was there was so, so, so little else going on for us as an attacking thing in terms of Harry Kane not having one single touch in the penalty area. No passes from Declan Rice forward. Kieran, uh, Calvin Phillips doing ever so well, stopping his opponent and breaking up play, but not starting any play. And in the end, I was just waiting for Italy to equalise and win the game, however which way it was going to be. Rod, it seems like deja vu here because I seem to remember after England's game against Croatia, we were talking about Kane, Mount and Sterling and how Mount's um, presence kind of hindered Harry Kane's performance now, I'm not saying that this is the reason why Harry Kane didn't have a good game against Italy, but surely there's 
there's some truth in this because Steve was the one that brought it up. And I was thinking about it when he said, it, I was like, yeah, he's right. Cause it, Kane really didn't do t- too much against Croatia and he didn't do too much against Italy. So is it coincidence? Did Italy defend really well or has Mason Mount's presence kind of halted Harry Kane a little bit? Uh, well, no, because the like, first 25 minutes, he was, he was dropping deep, getting in the ball uh, and causing Italy problems. You know, Italy have just adjusted and, and dealt with that. You know, they've got two, arguably two of the best centre-halves in the tournament, dealing with one player and, and, and they couldn't do that for 25 minutes, but did it for the rest of the game. So, yeah, it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. It's, you know, he, he had firepower on the bench to, to change it a bit earlier. It's probably loyalty killed him in the end with keeping Sterling on and, and not changing it earlier. But, you know, who are we to question him? He's done really, really well so far. Every decision he's made was the correct one. Like we said before the game, it's a 50-50. And Italy come out on top. Steve Shaw, Mr Shaw, your namesake, he had a bit of a ropey start to his England career. I think he's only made like 16, 17 appearances, hasn't he, since since earning his first cover. I think he's he's played many games for England, yeah. has he? Luke Shaw. I don't, I don't think he's played many in the last, I'd, I'd say, the last 12 months prior yeah. to the build-up of the tournament. And he's had a good tournament. Yeah. Um, um, deserved a start. Very good goal. But what, what happened after that? Because he was practically anonymous. I... Th- I think that's, and Steve alluded to this, like Italy adjusted their game plan. And and this is credit to Mancini. They they almost sort of nullified our wing-backs as the game went on. You know, we, we got out of the blocks very fast to begin with. We were pressing quite high and obviously we got the goal as a result of it. As the game drew on, I think Italy <clears throat> pushed them back a little bit further. Then tr- when trying to get forward as well, I think there was a little bit of, I say disconnect between him and Sterling. There were times where Shaw was making the run and Sterling wasn't always necessarily looking for the pass. Um, He'd take it inwards and try and drive at them. And I just kind of think we run out of ideas attacking-wise and we didn't utilise the fullbacks as well as we could have done throughout the rest of the game. I think, you know, credit to Italy, they did nullify it. But at the same time, we didn't really look like causing them any troubles. And we didn't, I don't think we got them on the ball enough in dangerous positions as the game drew on. And Mike, you know a thing or two about central midfielders. Big Brian Robson fan right here. We saw Calvin Phillips. We saw Declan Rice. They had a fantastic tournament. And up until, I'd say, the up until Italy equalised, I'd say that they had a, a pretty solid performance. But um, again, was it tired legs or were just Italy overrunning them? I don't know. What did you make of them? I think the formation didn't help um, either of them play to their strengths. I think they play better if they're in a in a four-two-three-one formation where they're just sitting there um, and then allowing forward forward players to then you know, there for attack. I think what they did, they did fine. But I mean, how, how many forward passes did um, De- Declan Rice make? How many attacking runs did either of them make? That's not their game, though. That's not what they're there for. Um, so it, 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 I, th- I think it was Southgate was risk averse. We know that, and I think he got a little bit. You know, look at obviously hindsight's always wonderful, but if you look at it, I think he got a little bit obsessed with how they beat Germany, playing with a false nine, and therefore kept Kane dropping off 
So Kane dropping off, you're, there's more people in that midfield and you're too close to Declan Rice and Kelvin Phillips. They, they just need to play their game in front of the back four, get the ball, give it to the players ahead of them in order to, one, look good because they're playing those forward passes to the attacking players, but also being able to protect that, that back four. I just, I just felt that um, it, it wasn't a game that highlighted their strengths, even though I don't think they played bad, but they didn't give anything offensively or creativity, uh, creatively to, to the game. And Double D, um, last show we did, I was asking, well, are England going to go with three in the middle of the park with Jordan Henderson? Obviously, that didn't happen, but they did change their system. Now, going back to what Steve said about the overlapping uh, wing-backs, as soon as England took the lead, that kind of went out the window. I expected England to get one and then get a second and then get a third because the way that they started... I thought the game would be in the bag by by half an hour if, if they continue playing that way. But yeah, exactly. as the game grew, England stood off, stood off, stood off. Mm. Now, was that because of the system or should I say what Southgate had told them? If you go go ahead, then just play this catenacho. Yeah. <laughs> 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 play by their own game. No? <laughs> we did see a bit of catenacho. As, what's the name from Joe? Anyway, I'm not going to go into that. Um, but... Yeah, so or, or was it a change in Italy's system that forced England to, to back off? Sometimes in a football match, you can score too early. And I think that's what happened with England because it was the start was so ironic because Maguire's had a mare to concede the corner. Corner, so, yeah. So yeah. you're so you're thinking, oh my god. I blame Pickford. <laughs> so you're thinking, oh my god. But then England have broke out and then they've been able to score. As Steve was saying, they've got wing back to wing back. Great finish by Shaw, by the way, because that was not an easy ball to hit the way that he's brought it in off the post. But then, after that, I was thinking, okay, go get the second goal because England's right, so Italy's left was open. Emerson's positioning was all over the place. And I was just sitting there and I was thinking, they're, they're probably sitting there and thinking, why the hell did Spinozola have to get injured? Did, I don't know, because Emerson did okay in the semi-final. I thought he had a, um, a good game, but yesterday he was just all over the place. And I'm thinking, England, go, 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 get them, get them. Donnarumma wasn't tested. It was like nearly, it was what, and as Steve was saying, the first 25 minutes, Kane and Sterling were dropping off in the movement and they looked like they could really catch Italy cold. But because they didn't get that second goal, it was almost, um, Italy almost went in at the break. I think it was Stones blocked in Mobley's shot. And I was thinking after all that, so Mancini was outmanaged by Southgate in the first half. But then after that, only one manager was making the right changes and got things right. And I just think we saw how Spain got at Italy. Italy had not looked that vulnerable in the whole tournament. So I thought England would have looked at that, whether it watched them tape or whatever, and set out their game plan. But they just deferred. You shouldn't... They it was, they was being scared of a team that they didn't need to be scared of. And he was just tactically outdone in the end. It just was England ended up retreating, retreating. Poor Declan Rice has done so much running. He was spent. And we've seen him go down in two previous games in this tournament, tired, cramp, whatever. And they were just, you just knew, even before Italy scored, you confided yourself to the fact that England are probably not going to win this game. You should, you're just un, undone. You've got players there. You should have been more offensive-minded. I think they could have won the game. I, I agree, mate. And uh, Steve, Mr. A, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday at the beginning of the game. When England scored, I said, just as Double D said, it, sometimes scoring a goal early... 
isn't necessarily a good thing because you're going to have to sit back for 89 minutes. England would have rather got an 89th minute winner than a, than a first minute opener, right? But what I also said was, there goes England's game plan because I assumed that they'd go for the jugular straight away, like, which is what they did, but then they would continue doing it to get a second, to get a third. But once they went a goal ahead, it was right, we need to, we need to sit back. What we have, we hold. Now, forgive me if I'm wrong, and you know, I said I'm no, I'm no coach, I don't have my coaching badges, but as a football fan, I'm thinking, you've got an early goal. They're on the ropes. They're not coming at you with any intensity. Go for a second. Go for a second. I know 2-0 is a dangerous scoreline, what some people say, but that's a, that's a great cushion. So as an England fan yourself, when England went a goal ahead, did you, what are you thinking to yourself? Get another one. Because the, we've, we've got them. We've got the pace. We've got the power. We've got the energy. I agree with you. Right. Uh, I've watched it back as, as well, Stel, today, and I've run this by a few people. It certainly doesn't mean I'm right, but we did all come to the same opinion. Everything you're saying and suggesting is right. But the game plan doesn't necessarily have to go about the window because I think it was always going to be that they were going to give the ball up to Italy largely, sit in, be compact, drop Harry Kane in and then have a go on the break. The fact that they scored, you know, almost from that way after two minutes, you know, was the bonus. So what we dis what we discussed and we all agreed on, though, was the, the bigger problem was to go back to the original game plan, despite being 1-0 up, was not the problem because they were always going to sit in and defend what they have. I think that's just the phrase you just used. But the problem was then, once on the turnover of the ball, they were going too quickly, England, to score again, believe it or not. And what they needed to do, by going too quickly, it left them with just like two attackers up the field to, to, to have a go at an attack. But we just talked about uh, Rice and Phillips. They, didn't pass, they don't pass to each other. We needed to buy two, three, four passes on our way forward in the attack, which allows Harry Kane then to reverse his position from 10 to 9, to get the wing-backs further forward, to maybe get Phillips a bit closer, to get Mount even further. But it was all over too quickly. The counter-attack was too quickly still. So I don't believe England sat back completely. I actually think they messed the counter-attack up and they didn't go with the initial pay. I know you're supposed to go fast, but buy a couple of passes go with some initial pe um, uh, patience and then gather some numbers and then go for it. But England were just like shooting the load too quickly and it just like into Italy's hands straight away. And the table tennis table came up for Italy. They just came up, came up and, 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 and stood up high and uh, England couldn't get out of their own half. They were, they were struggling to get mm. out of their own half because they didn't buy any passes. Yeah. And see, this is the thing. D despite being a goal down, Italy didn't look like the, the team that was chasing the game. Yeah. When I saw Pickford get the ball, within the space of 10, 11 minutes, I counted, he launched the ball forward centrally seven times. Absolutely. To no one in particular. Yeah. Because Kane was never winning the ball in the air against Chiellini. <laughs> Sterling was never winning the ball in the air against Bonucci. It was never going to happen. So it was wasted. Whereas the Italians, they build from the back using that yeah. term. You know, they play around pressure. You had a double pivot of, of central midfielders dropping deep, which basically emptied the central areas further forward. The, the fullback, as, as you know, D said, Emerson, he, he looked all over the place. But as the game grew, he you was getting more and more confident. confident. Yeah, yeah. Lee yeah. Dixon at one point was saying, oh, Italy aren't having any luck on that left-hand side. Lo and behold, fucking Carl Walker was on his ass, and Emerson is, is in the box. <clears throat> so, you know, as I said, England didn't look like the team that were winning. 
it, it, it just it, it baffled me. Now, I don't know, Rod, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, you know, is, is this pressure now? Are we talking about pressure that forced England's players to be a little bit shy or timid? Because I looked at those Italians walking on the pitch. They didn't look like they were stressed. The England players, though, especially Jordan Pickford, they looked like the whole world was on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. What Was that a contributing factor, do you think, Rod? Well, you, you, you've got to think in that, that have they uh, put that down as a strategy, put Pickford under pressure so he does what he does and they just get the ball back really easily. That that could be one of the, the ways that they've, they've designed it. But, yeah, it's... It's um, it's just it's just it's not good, is it? When you see when you bring them stats up seven times and just kicking it, just basically giving the ball away, and uh, he suppose he you know got the golden gloves as well, didn't he, of the tournament? So, and I don't know how that works when Donnarumma got the player of the tournament. So, uh, yeah, so um, yeah, it's um, I'm pretty sure that they've talked about it and they've said what, what's happened. Pickford, give it Pickford and put a pressure on him. He'll just kick the ball aimlessly and we'll get the ball back and then we can attack. Because Harry Kane was dropping too deep. Like you say, he's got no chance against Benucci and Kalina. He was coming through the back of him. He was he was put, dragging him out of the way. So if you're going to be doing that, you've got to be going wide. But you've got to be... You know, you got to be precise, and, and the Pickford just wasn't. It was just too wild, and just giving the ball away, and, and that just breeds pressure because they're just coming straight back onto you, and and eventually they're not going to panic. Why would they panic? They've been in that situation before. So they didn't look like they were panic, like you said. So and they're a good team, and they just trusted themselves, and and you know they didn't panic, like you said, like you said before, they didn't panic. And you know they, they, they looked like they was going to win, or at least come away with with a goal. Or they just looked comfortable, like you said. And, and England got worse and worse as the game went on. And but to, to be fair, England got stronger in the in the extra time. But yeah, never really looked under pressure. To to be honest, Roddy, what channel did you watch? Um, BBC or ITV? I watched BBC. Because I don't know if you, you'd have picked up on this, but I mean, obviously the commentators aren't playing, but the whole atmosphere was like uh, nervous and edgy. I mean, yes. they're not the ones on the pitch, but 62 minutes it was. And you could hear the England crowd trying to get behind the team and pick them back up. And the commentator, who, who did well, to be fair, but he goes, oh, it's a bit early to be singing the carnival songs, you know, like tapering everything down. Mm. Then it was like, oh no, we're in extra time. And then Gary Lineker was, Oh no! I can't believe it. We're at penalties. <laughs> Nobody was relishing like we're England. We're at home. We're leveling this game. This is our time. Everything was everything had that underdog tone about it. I don't think that I think that is why this England team's done so well because they don't seem to hold hold any baggage. But maybe that's creeped into the final, the pressure, and you know they were like they've started the game so well. You you play a game. It, a football game, you must have played loads of games when it's happened. You play a game and you come off the pitch think, how the hell have we lost that game? Because we started so well, we looked so comfortable. You know, even in the first, they said the first 25 minutes, but I thought there was 
Mancini looked worried <clears throat> for 45 minutes. He was constantly ch- chatting mm. to the players, constantly yeah. arguing, constantly, you know, his gestures. So he was under pressure. He just wanted to get him in at half time, have a chat with him, and they've come out and then they, they, they just dominated really the, the second half. So, but yeah, it's just, you know, it was a 50 50 game. And I, just, I do think that the, the pressure, that the, 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 the stuff that you were saying did creep into the players and panic. It's got to be the four or five subs that Italy made, though, that brought energy and belief to yeah. them. And we just we just carried on with our, as you quite rightly said, Kane and Sterling. It would have been really brave to bring them off the tournament they've had, the status they've had. But Sterling was clearly having one of his quiet games and as it's turned out, wasn't even going to take a penalty. Wasn't on the list. And Kane was shot probably for the work that he put in in the previous game. But Italy just went off, on, off, on and just injected all the time. I find it, find it difficult to say that Sterling wasn't in the top, at least the top five that Oh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Don't go too far ahead. <laughs> Don't go too far ahead because we haven't spoken about Italy equalising yet. And I'm going to go to, to, to D with this one because Steve made a really good point about Italy's substitutions and, and the timing of it. Um, it was uh, Barella and Immobile that went off and you and I were yeah. speaking about Immobile during the game and I think it was six or seven times where I was saying to you, this guy, <laughs> composure, he was just wayward passing. Yeah. Even like a two-yard pass, he couldn't do that right. And I was like, get him off as soon as you can, because he's going to cost you. And lo and behold, they took him off. And I, I think, you know, Berardi, who I don't really rate too highly, as you remember from the stream, he had a really good game. Uh, Cristante was phenomenal in the middle of the park. Good so good were man. they the, the changes that Italy made that swung the game their way, you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Mancini's in-game management has been brilliant all throughout the tournament. Um because the sub- if he never made the substitutions he made in the semi-final, Spain would have beat them because I've, Italy were running around like headless chickens for part of um, that um, semi-final. But yeah, the changes were huge. What I'm disappointed with England is the fact that because Jorginho took that early knock and I thought he was going to come off, get in there and give him a few stiff challenges. You get what I'm saying? Because Italy did not pet to pull people, pull people down and going hard and that. And the, the changes, but yeah, Mancini, they did well, because as um, Roger was saying, in the first half, Mancini couldn't, he, couldn't, he was up off his seat, sit down, whatnot. He didn't know what was going on because he was thinking, nah, I've got this far, we're going to perform poorly now. But as you said, still, Mobley wasn't good enough, though he almost scored. Barella, that's Barella's worst game in the tournament. And Insignia, I think that's the, in nine years of watching, I think that's the worst I've ever seen Lorenzo Insignia play. He was absolutely atrocious. And so all these people played so poorly for it, and England never t- um, uh, took advantage of it. So credit to Mancini for making the changes that he did, because they had more, though there was a small period in the first um, extra time period where Grealish and Sterling were some decent movement on the side, Shaw was trying to get up, and then there was one when Grealish pulled a couple of defenders, could uh Backhilled it, um, so I tried to back it, and it went off. But yeah, it was just outmanaged, outmanaged. So I just compared to extra time because I know you want to do the early goal, but no, 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 no. It's, it's just the, um, the reason why I'm, I'm I'm frowning is because I'm just thinking about how Italy moved the ball so well, mm-hmm. especially in the middle of the park. And while Calvin Phillips and, and Declan Rice had an okay game. I'm just thinking like they, they didn't have that composure that Italy had. And effectively, Italy's goal came from 
a corner mm-hmm. where the, 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 the corner was one from a central area, if that makes yeah. sense. And, um, you know, Steve, Mr. Mr. Shaw, if you're looking at England defensively when you got John Stones, you got Harry Maguire, you got big players in there height-wise, and they just failed to deal with that totally. Was it, was it Declan Rice that was meant to be marking Bonucci? Or was it Stones? I think it was Rice because he didn't follow it through. Right. Because Kane was on the line at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think England invited too much pressure on as, and I know we've talked about it throughout, and we've alluded to it about scoring too early, game plans going out the window. I think the occasion got to the players as we, as the game went on, because we talk about Pickford's distribution going quite direct, but you've got a backline that includes John Stone, who's who has had a renaissance for Man City this season. Harry Maguire is continuing to prove people wrong. He's growing as a defender. He's growing as a leader within the England camp. And Carl Walker, I mean, look, worst case scenario with Carl Walker, he can drive the ball out from defence anyway, because you know what he's like with driving the ball. But we, we didn't play to our strengths there. I think we almost respected Italy too much. And this is credit to Mancini here because Italy have gone 34 games unbeaten. So they're not anyone to take lightly. He's transformed how they hit teams on the counter. Traditionally, Italy used to be seen as a slow, you know, passive football team. That's no longer the case. And I think a lot of the game, as it went on, they were hitting the channels very quick, very direct. And the fullback, the wingbacks ended up playing as secondary fullbacks because you saw Carl Walker and Trippier trying to double up on times on the on the right and Shaw was a little bit more isolated and he used to tuck in a bit more centrally but Italy were hitting the channels on the counters and delaying it in the corners just to give their midfield enough time to join the attack and attack the half space because the center backs didn't know whether to step out wide like in some instances with uh, Walker he was going out wide to double up with Trippier or stay narrow and because of that, there were little pockets of space that England were leaving themselves vulnerable to. And you could see it in the game plan. As soon as Italy got the ball on the edge of the box, England players shat themselves because they went, oh, they might dive. They might try a little bit of gamesmanship here and get a penalty. And you saw the players freeze and almost feel reluctant to tackle them. And as the game grew, Italy sort of exploited this weakness and kept driving more and more at England. And we're defending for our lives. And... Again, we've mentioned about Phillips and Rice. Off the ball, cannot fault their work rate. On the ball, possession-wise, they didn't, they didn't look too sure what to do. They weren't passing forward. It was quick, get the ball out wide, leave it to them. And I, and please, anyone here, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is just my interpretation. I know we all have different opinions. I actually think our front three were too defensive at times. Kane dropping in as a false nine. Sterling looking to collect the ball deep and run at them. That's Mount's game as well. But they all did it very centrally. Yet we got the most benefit, albeit in the first two minutes, by doubling up on the fullbacks. Get Sterling, and this is a question of could should have Mount started or could we have someone like Grealish who would drift into the channels? Yeah. Double up on their fullbacks. Absolutely exploit them. Bully them in that case because you'll have two on ones, you'll have the overloads. And yes, I'm fully aware that Italy have two of the best centre backs currently, but Kane can then press them a little bit higher 
as opposed to dropping off and almost running away from them. Because if I was an Italian centre-back, I didn't see much of the ball from with a one-on-one defending opportunity, only until the game got desperate. And as the game opened up a bit more, Sterling was starting to make those runs. But his decision-making with his passing, it wasn't one of his better games and they were able to snuff him out. It's not what Going back to what you're saying about the goal, though, um, yeah, yeah we, we did invite too much pressure on as the game went on. And I, I think England almost sort of didn't believe in themselves to take the game to Italy. All right. Well, Mike, when you look at the it's all right. Mike, when you look at the goal again, um, as I said, near post corner, flicked on. I think Jorginho was the one that made <laughs> Pickford have to obviously do a star man and stop the ball from going out. And there was Bonucci with Harry Kane on the line of all people. A scrappy goal. If you're Italian, you don't give a shit. That's got them <laughs> back in the game. Um, but defensively, as I said before, it's a tall England team, and you'd think they'd know better. Again, you I, you're, you're, I, you're right you're right still however what once once that first phase has happened and Pickford's um, going to get the you know makes the save once the ball comes out it is almost impossible for um, the forwards who have got that that, that momentum or the forwards the attacking players who've got the momentum towards a goal not to get there first unless a defender is actually there and then the reaction of the forwards if you if you ever see it in you know it goes like that it usually ends up as a, as, a, as a ball towards the goal, whether it goes in, goes over, goes wide, saved again, whatever. It's, you know, the, the defender literally has to be there when the ball drops to get it away. Um, you know, the, the advantage there is with the forward team. But, you know, going back to some of the stuff that's been said, I think, I think not enough was made of um, the, the axis of Jorginho and Verratti. Now, if we're looking at Calvin Phillips and um, Declan Rice, and how they didn't pass forward, how they didn't make decisive um, uh, forward, uh, you know, attacking play. Whereas Jorginho and Verratti, they were quite happy to play one twos of two yards, three yards, triangles, use their fullback, come inside, switch to play. I mean, the number of touches they had was incredible, mm-hmm. but that's that perpetual motion. They get the ball, they give it, they pass it on, they pass it sideways, pass it back but they're keeping the ball, they're rotating the ball, they're going from left to right, back to forwards. And that certainly made it more difficult for, for Phillips and Rice because if they're chasing those players, they're going to get a little bit more tired. When you get a little bit more tired, that's when you make mistakes. When you make mistakes, that's when gaps open up. And these players exploited that as the game went on. And I thought, um, well, up until, that, up until the final, Verratti was being taken off very, well, relatively early in every game. He, you know, obviously he was injured before the tournament, but I, th- I think he's been outstanding. And you know, were England to say play Italy earlier in the earlier in the in, in the tournament, and Verratti came off, England would have been would have had a far better chance. He just made them. Him and Georgina just made that team tick. They were they were brilliant. Right. Okay, so Italy equalise, gains extra time, but then something happens. Something something happens, which for me won the game for Italy. And it was a yellow card given to Chiellini for pulling back, for doing his Mortal Kombat impression <laughs> on Saka. Saka was on the touchline. He was going to break through. And here we go. That's, no. that's what you call a no. professional. No, no, no. Amico, that, that's no. what you no, call no, no, a no, professional no. foul. Stay here. Yeah. Exactly. I'm putting this question to every single one of you. Is that the moment Italy win the game? Because I think it is. Steve, what do you uh, reckon? Yeah, yeah, I know you mentioned it to me today, Stel. 
yeah, it was something that we it, that sticks in your mind because it was so out of context with how the game should be played within the rules. And we're suggesting, why don't we do that? But, you know, we, we're, we're starting to be better at the dark arts, but that was just like GBH. Let's have it, let's have it right. Um, Get over here. I just think... <laughs> I just think that was a good moment. I'm happy to go with you, Stel, as a moment. But they were well on the way to victory, in my opinion. I know it went to penalties, but they had more energy. They had more waves of attack. And I think Rodri mentioned before, we had that little flurry around the box with Grealish in the second half of extra time. But um, Italy had been playing well for 55, 60 minutes up to that up to that uh, WWF move from Cellini. Um <laughs> You know, like the like the cuddling and the the, the, the uh, stuff he was doing with the Spain captain for the penalties. It, you know, boisterous. I'm not convinced it helps the results still, but the fact that they've won the game, maybe it did. So I'm I'm not sure, mate. What are you saying there? Obviously, <laughs> Rodri. Have... What about your captain? Your your captain, as you say. Did you did you win them the game by doing that, or was it that smirk during the national anthem when when England fans were booing? Because <laughs> this guy, he, he's he's a head doctor of some sort, man. I tell you, he, he, what, what you said about Spurs as well. The game when when English fans were setting fireworks off the the Italy hotel last night when they when they were where they were sleeping. Oh really? I, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. happen? Wow. Okay. So it had nothing to do with Keely. No, well, wait, it could, it could, it, things like that. But you, you never know, really, do you? It's, it's just a, it's just an experienced defender. No, everyone's like, "That guy, that's just assault." That, uh, it's not. It's just a pullback of his shirt. It's just, and he's just done it with force and looked like he's gonna pull his neck off, pull his head off. <laughs> but yeah, it was. Um, no, I don't think it was. You know, it's, there was a long way to go there, and, and England. Were better in extra time, and you know if it wasn't for Marcus Mashford missing that penalty, would they have gone on to win it? Then who knows? All right, okay. Um, There's a little segue for you there. Yeah, I didn't want to get into that bit just yet. Oh, okay, sorry. Just yet, because uh, there's a question from Gosta from the Gate 7 International, and he says, in case you didn't pick up on this, uh, whether about Southgate's game management and conservative tactics in general, which obviously we've spoken about, uh, England too scared, how can we not utilise players like Foden, Grealish and Sancho? Now, you you mentioned that Sancho came on, uh, sorry, came on to take the penalties, Grealish came on, but again, the... Is Southgate in like a lose-lose situation here? Because if he doesn't play a system that the fans agree with and England lose, then he's the full guy. If he doesn't bring on players at the right time, he's the full guy. But at the same time, he's got to be he's got to be brave. And I think as the as the tournament progressed, he was brave. I believe. I mean, at the beginning, I'm sure Steve will will agree. You know, I said I didn't think at the beginning of the tournament, I didn't think Southgate was brave enough to make big decisions, but he wasn't afraid to take off Harry Kane. He wasn't afraid to, to switch things around and, and play different systems and play Harry Maguire, who hadn't played in, in, in months. So what about Southgate's in-game tactics? Or what about the, the, the inclusion of Grealish and the timing of it? He brought, he brought on Sacco with like 15 minutes to go, if I'm not mistaken. So that was a, a, a change in itself. But from, a, from an overall perspective, were, were you surprised with Southgate's approach? Boy, um... Again, I think, start, yeah? I, I think <laughs> the I think the lineup was um, 
it showed intimidation um, for me, even though they took the lead. And as you said, he was trying to replicate what they did against Germany. But the funny thing was, as well as England played in that game, Pickford was the busier goalkeeper. And Thomas Muller missed the chance that he's been scoring for the last 12 to 13 years. So when you think about that, and then the way Italy were just better, better moulded than um, Germany are, it was just asking for trouble, even though they took the lead. And yet yeah, Mount, he's, Mason Mount should have been dragged because the role he had, yeah, it was, it wanted him to go wide and whatnot to form the front three. He just wasn't working. He only got on the ball like about three or four times in the second half. And then when he did it, he was just on to him and then they pressed him. Um, and I just think they shouldn't have felt that they were inferior to Italy. They played the, they played the occasion rather than just playing against the opponent. And obviously, I know, obviously, it's hard because obviously you, the, the mental issues play a lot within sport. But I just thought with the way that they started, this game was there for the taking. And we can give credit to Southgate for what he's done previously in the tournament. But... I thought it was a little lucky against Denmark, by the way, in the semi, because I think that just making the one sub, if something had gone wrong in the last minute there, that would have stuck with him for arguably forever, unless they were to go on and win a future tournament. But I just think that we have to say yesterday that he got it he got it wrong. And um, he was out-managed after, let's say, 35 or 40 minutes of the game. So, yeah, he's made some brave decisions, but he got it wrong yesterday, man. Still, he got it wrong. Mm. And Steve Shaw, Sancho and Rashford come on with minutes left of uh, extra time. And I'm looking at Jaden Sancho, about to join Man United, huge fee, so much ability. Was it 20 assists for Dortmund, 16, 17 goals? And no disrespect to, to Saka, why is he being picked ahead? of Jaden Sancho. What is it about Jaden Sancho that he can't get in the England team? Because I'm looking at England with 20 minutes to go and Italy are dominating. They're moving the ball well with little pressure. England have got a four-man press. They ain't really doing too much because they're playing around them. If you've got, if you ain't going to bring on Rashford and you're going to keep on Sterling, fine. But on that right-hand side, you want a guy that's going to run at defenders. And Saka isn't at that level yet. He isn't at Sancho's level yet. Oh, oh. So why isn't Sancho playing in this game? This is why I need to know. Southgate wanted defensive work rate. That's the only thing I can think of because, and I look, we'll go on to the penalties in a bit. I think when Saka came on, I don't. I think he had a quieter game compared to the rest of his tournament, um, and I think he did get bullied out there. I mean, every time he got the ball, he was getting fouled. Um, I think Southgate put him on because he was slightly wary of being too open in the final third and being exploited to a counter-attack. And I think this leads to a bigger issue with Southgate. And I think, look, we've got to the final. I know England have come runners-up. But has the question in regards to Southgate's man management in terms of selection, yes, they got as far as the final. But the question I'd pose is, has Southgate exceeded his own expectations and his conservatism, and I'd say at times tactical naivety in comparison to Mancini, was that a factor to why Italy won? Um, and yeah, because you're right, you'd want someone like Sancho. I'd, 
if the game's opening up, you're in a you're in a final. If it was a semi, and you know you want to sort of conserve yourself and you know throw the luck at penalties, by all means do so. But it's a final. You you go there as the game creeps on. England have this mental stigma with penalties that we're never quite confident with. I'd want to be avoiding them. And yet he's putting them two on with literally 30 seconds to go. No real time to get a touch on the ball. No real time to get a feel of the game. And I know they've been brought on for the spot kick. But if they'd have been brought on five minutes earlier, and this is a question for everyone, do you think, you know, they may have had a few more touches of the ball, got into the game ever so slightly, would they have been slightly more comfortable with a penalty? As opposed to literally coming on and going, right, third and fourth penalty spot kick. It's a bit more than that. Steve, it's a bit more than that as well. They both had to come on and play centre-half for 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Rashford was stuck out on the right, wasn't he? Rashford was stuck out on the right. Rashford was right back with a piece of paper in his hand and they both had to come and defend a corner. Walker's one of the best defenders in Europe. Henderson um, certainly stacked with experience. You've got to defend one more set play and you've got Rashford playing right back and Sancho just, just having to come back and add a corner out. It was absolutely suicidal. And, and this is this is the bigger issue that I sort of touch upon with Southgate. Has he exceeded expectations of what he's done with that England squad? Because don't no, get me wrong. No. No? No. 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 They, they, should have, they should have won the, that. The, the key term there is squad. Not with the squad. Mm. With the Not, teams he picked, mm. possibly. Yeah. But with the squad at his disposal and the, you know, the, the attacking ability and threat mm-hmm. and what he's got, I don't think he utilised that enough. No, this is what I'm saying. It's not necessarily England haven't performed. Has England gone past Southgate's capability? No. No. Because if you look at both the routes they've had in the World Cup and in here... It's not been really hard. Yeah, I think they should... they should have won one out of France would have got them in 2018. I expect them to win this before 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 this before this tournament started. I said there's no standout. Though I went with Italy, I said there's no standout country. So I said if England are gonna do it and look at their route, they could play all their games but one at home. This was the time. So I don't think they've it sounds harsh because of the when we started to got to a final, but I don't I don't think so. I, we, I, I was I was on Harry's podcast at the beginning of the tournament yeah. and he, he said to me, England got to the semi-finals of the World Cup in 2018, right? What's the next what's the next thing they need to do? I said they need to win this tournament. Yeah. They need to win it. Because there's no point in getting to the final and saying, oh, well, we've made progress. Okay, you've made progress since the last time you played in the Euros when you got knocked out by Iceland, yeah. But you got in the semi-finals of the World Cup. That's a bigger stage. So you get to the final of the Euros, you've got to win it. I'm sorry. It's for me. It's it's, it's a failure. Own, I don't care what else. You could talk to me about the feel good factor. You could talk to me about whatever. You haven't won it. No one cares. People were, were walking off with the runners up medal, proud of you. I'm like, fuck that. That's no, that's what I mean about Southgate not being the man to win anything. Like he's well, he done well to get them to the final with that squad, but he should have won it. Look at his career. He's yeah. a nearly man. Well, relegated with Borough, didn't he? He, yeah. never gets o- he never gets over the line. He's never got over the... Missing a penalty at Euro 96. Mm-hmm. Middlesbrough relegated. Crystal Palace semi-finals being remembered for being stamped mm-hmm. on by Roy Keane. Mm-hmm. Everything he's done with England under yeah. 21s and England seniors. He's a really, really sound man who's actually evolving, developing and getting better himself. So he yeah. could get... But up to this point in his life, he never gets over the yeah. line. And I think that's the point I was trying to make. I may have worded it badly in that sense, but I don't no, no, think no. 
he is the man to win the tournament to get England over the line. I think with the squad at their disposal, they should be in contention at least. And with the route that England have against the oppositions they've had, and I know everyone will say, but we beat Germany. Germany were a poor side. <laughs> Thank you. German, Germany were a poor <laughs> squad in, in this entire tournament. And Wenger even said it like at the start of it of, are these players really going to play for the manager that's leaving? And then you've got Müller, who's come out of international wilderness for two years because they're that desperate for that creative remorderer in the final yeah. third. They just didn't seem to, you know, in England, the same in the World Cup. They got fortunate. They got as far as the semi-finals. Mm-hmm. They probably should have beaten Croatia. But still, as you said, France would have walked all over them in that tournament. Well, do you mind if I ask you something, mate? Still. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, obviously, you're the, you're the question, man. But Sorry. just picking up <laughs> the middle of you there. You know, it's your podcast, but you know, you, you said how you were pleasantly surprised almost that you admired his bravery at the start of the tournament, the way he showed bravery. But I don't believe they were once in a lifetime opportunities in the group stages because whatever's going to happen was going to happen at least three times. And we obviously expected more. Now, is bravery at the start of the tournament different to bravery at the end of the tournament? And I believe it is. So, yeah, you might have shown bravery in, in the group stages where you've got three games. But last night possibly is a once-in-a-lifetime experience for them and the whole country. We don't know that. The group stage guarantees you three games. It's not a once-in-a-lifetime. You're doing it again four days later. But last night, in that kill-or-be-killed environment, who has the courage to make the, have the conviction to make the most and best decisions? And it was the other team's manager. I think, I think Southgate listened to his number two a lot, the fellow that they got on loan from Newcastle. The Newcastle guy, yeah. Price, you know, that's a bad oh, sign. Because I remember, I remember that which game was it? Was it the the quarterfinal? It was a Ukraine game, wasn't it? When, well, when he, he told him to, 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 get, to get, the the yellow, the yellow get the yellow cards off, yeah, yeah because he was standing there celebrating. He said, "Get the yellow cards off now." Yeah. <laughs> well, look, let's let's talk about these penalties then, because um, wow, Italy took the first one, I believe. Berardi scored, then Harry Kane equalised. Belotti had his one saved. Maguire broke the camera. With his one. What a penalty. Yeah. Then Bonucci scored. (sighs) Beautiful. And then Rod, Marcus Rashford. Now, you and I have spoken about this this player on many occasions. Many, many occasions. In fact, we've gone back and forth. It feels like another Deontay Wilder Wilder against, um, what's his name? Tyson Fury. We go back and forth about Marcus Rashford. We've seen, as you mentioned, the, the, the WhatsApp group earlier today, the best penalty you've seen him take was against Paris Saint-Germain. He hasn't taken a decent one since. I've seen him hit the post against Crystal Palace. I've seen him miss so many penalties this season. Why is he taking a penalty? Why? Because he's brave uh, and he stands up and he wants to take one for his team. That that's it. Not I mean. Well, I'm not being. No, but he's a penalty taker. You're going to miss penalties. That, that's a, it, well. Well, some people are going to miss them more than others, especially if you're going to have a, for me, a silly run-up like he does. Just pick your spot. Harry Kane, boom, hit it. Harry Maguire, boom, hit it. When you're doing that, yeah, it's just, it's, I'm uneasy with it, especially when it's not working. It's not working. So, especially when he's got a good strike on him, pick a spot and hit it. But, No, I've said it before and I'll say it again, but I've done it in front of a hundred people. Your legs, you can't feel your legs when you're in the penalty shootout. This is it in a 
Cup final at Wembley in front of millions of people, it does funny things to you. And it's obviously affected the, the three young kids. Why is Henderson taking He's only been on 50 or 60 minutes. He's a captain of Liverpool. Why is he going off? Why is Because Sterling apparently he missed the penalty in a friendly not... tournament. Pardon? Because apparently he missed the penalty in a friendly yeah. tournament. Yeah, but... Well, if, 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 they want you experienced players to stand up and say, right, I'm going to take them, but they've obviously gone through it in training and the best penalty takers have gone through it. They've obviously gone through it. They're not, they're not going to not go through it. We've, they've talked about it before how they've gone through it. They take the time, get the breath. Don't, as soon as he blows the whistle, don't take it straight away. Get your composure. You can see that Barry Kane has a two deep breath. Boom. Iron Maguire, the same. The kids were just nervous and just, yeah, it's just that the, the occasion got to him because there were poor penalties, all three of them. I mean, if, if, if we are to, uh, you know, to believe what's been said, they were, as, as you said, Roderick, you know, they've been practising in training. You know, Southgate says that it was his choice, his decision. And anyone who's ever taken a penalty in front of, you know, whether it's in the back garden or in, in front of anyone or in a match, you can't replicate that situation. You never can, ever. And once Rashford missed, pressure's then on Sancho. Once he misses, bloody hell, what's a 19-year-old supposed to think? It's not St. George's Park in front of no one just stepping up and hitting it. You know, your legs do go. You know, you're thinking, you're, you're thinking of things and there's the crowd and you're seeing, you know, you're seeing that huge guy in front of you. So, uh, Mike, I do, but I has do anyone know, actually ever seen something. Saka take a penalty? Mike, I do know something. I know if the manager's pointing to a 19-year-old kid and I'm a 27-year-old experienced player, I'd say to the manager, hey, I'm I agree. taking one for, for him, come on. My I'm biggest issue, one. yeah, I, I agree with you, Rod. My biggest issue is that he brought on, what he, he had Sancho and Rashford waiting for minutes, standing on that sideline, minutes. There was an opportunity to bring him on and they didn't. And then Italy kept the ball for about two minutes yep. and yeah. then they came on. They had no rhythm of the game. They hardly play. You know, they hardly got a touch of the ball. Yeah. Okay, and as and as Steve said, the first thing they did was defend a corner. Now, you've hardly played him in the tournament, and then you're saying to Rashford, "Come on and and and, and win a tournament for me by taking a penalty." Yeah, there's, there's, there's psychology involved. There's you know that you know, they weren't physically in tune with the game, plus the pressure. It's you know, and they're young people. They're young footballers. Whatever you want to say about how good they are psychologically or the practicing, whatever, it was going to be tough. And once one missed, it just, the momentum, that negative momentum just perpetuated. Yeah, because it, it, it become more pressure then because it was sudden death. If you missed, basically they're out. Mm. When Rashford scored that penalty against PSG for Man United, which took them through, you know, a deep stage of the Champions League away, that shows he's got the courage. That shows he's got the technique. I know, I know, Stel, you've said that he has missed penalties, but he scored more than he's missed. Um, it, it's a great topic that we're, we're covering here. Uh, the, the fact that he's, he's, he's got to uh, come on and play right back, defend a corner, probably been overlooked all tournament. And then, as you quite rightly say, can you, you know, that was wrong. He should have been on earlier in extra time. With, with, with that in mind, uh, especially if Sterling wasn't on Southgate's list to take one, he may as well have brought him off. OK, well, look, benefit of the doubt here, right? And I'm, I'm not digging him out. I'm just asking a question here because, as Rod said, you choose your corner and you hit it, right? Um, when Rashford stepped up, he did that little... He, he, he ran and then he did a little shuffle and it's almost as if he was waiting for the goalkeeper to move before hitting it. Now, to me, 
it looks like he changed his mind. No, no, he, he, no, he, no, like no he, he did. He's not. No. He's not looking at the ball. Yeah. And he's le he's left it right. too late, and he's dragged it. Yeah. It's yeah. simple as that. It's just look. He's he's doing. He's trying to be too cute. He's looking at the excuse me. He's looking at the keeper, and he's looked down. And he's just dragged it. That's all he's doing. He's not changed his mind. He's dragged it because he's not looking at the ball. He's looking at the keeper. I don't think he has it. I don't think what you say, the lads are saying about changing his mind. I don't think he's got his mind made up. I think, as Rodri says, yeah. he's waiting and waiting and waiting for the keeper. I don't even think he knows where he's putting it. He's waiting for the keeper to commit still. And the keeper held his nerve, stayed tall. But all of a sudden, Rashford thought, oh, shit. He's normally gone by this stage. Um, so I don't think it was a question of him changing his mind. I think it was at the moment he makes his mind up. It was like, oh, this isn't in the script. I've normally fucking made my mind up by now. And, uh, a big and a big factor in this, sorry, sorry, Steve. Okay. A big, big factor in this, when they're practicing penalties, you've got Jordan Pickford, who is smaller than Donnarumma. You can see that when they're both next to each other. He's considerably <laughs> smaller. So when you see Pickford in the goal, when they've been practicing, and they come up to it in the moment, right. in the final, 70,000 people live, and they think, fuck okay. me, that's not Pickford. He's massive. It'd be like an ice hockey man. It adds, a lot of, <laughs> it adds a little bit more pressure, I'm telling you, because when you walk up to the net, you think, fucking hell, he's big. Yeah. It, mm. it, it, it narrows think, it down for you. Do you think sometimes it's like waiting for the keeper, whoever blinks first, do you think that's almost sometimes, a, I say a weaker mindset of, I need the keeper to move first and I'm going to go the other way. You see some of the play players that have taken penalties before, they don't care one iota which way that keeper's going because they're so confident in themselves. I'm taking yeah, that penalty, forget. it's going in. And I don't think don't, the lads had that confidence when they were stepping up. Did you see the Copa America semi-final with uh, Emmy Martinez? Yep, chatting. Berating the Colombian that was, penalty takers. That was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. I mean, not, Regardless of whether these Colombian penalty takers know where they're going to put the ball, if you've got someone saying to you, I know where you're going to At the same time, <laughs> that striker should have that... Capron, come on. I'm, I mean, Emmy Martinez, it still hurts me that we let him go. Um, I'm still mourning that. But, come on, come on. I ain't got time for the violin right now. Come on. But, but that's the thing. That keeper is trying to put you off. He's he's trying to get in your head. You need to almost sort of, I say, disassociate yourself from the occasion. And I, this is so easy to say this. And I know it's completely different kettle of fish to actually implementing it. But you almost need that disassociation from what the ramifications are from that penalty kick or what you're going to do. Or you need that assertiveness of, I'm going up. I'm hitting it here. I'm. That is all. I'm, that is what I'm going to do. Mm. And you see the doubt that creeps in. And yeah, fair play. Rashford sent the keeper the wrong way, but he struck it poorly. Um, Sancho, I think he he didn't give himself any momentum to take the free to take the penalty. Run up was poor. And then, but uh, do you, yeah. But do you think that again? Do you think that's pressure and lack of confidence because? I, I like looking at the player as they're about to put the ball down or if they're walking to the spot, just to see their body language, see the look on their oh, face. Oh, they, they look nervous. He looked like he was shitting himself because he knew yeah. he misses, then Jorginho scores and wins it. Commentator but, was saying as he put the ball down, he's a confident boy, though, Jaden Sancho. So but, That sets him up to fail. Exactly. Yeah, but the song uh, It's Coming Home no, sets him up to fail as well. You can be confident, the most confident person in the world. When you're in that environment, yeah. you don't know what's going through you, especially as a young kid and you've never been in that 
know, this is a European yeah. Cup final in your own country. And you've got to realise, Sancho and Saka are both from around that area. Sancho went to Harefield Academy as part of Watford's uh, youth setup. Saka used to play for Greenford Celtic, which is literally the other side of the A40 from yeah. Wembley. So everyone talks about Sterling being a Brent boy. These two lads are local lads local to the stadium. Lads. And you're stepping up in the final to take a penalty to keep your team in it or to, you know, to win it potentially. And you've got your friends, your family there and the occasion does get the better of players. And I will dig deep on this one. I don't give a toss if Southgate said it was on, it was on me, I picked them. Mm-hmm. If you're a senior player, you will berate your manager in front of them because you don't let your teammates get in the firing line mm-hmm. when they're 19 years of age. Their first full season in men's football being brought on to a Champions League final. There's only one or two players in this generation that can handle that pressure. And that's not to dismiss anything of Saka, Sancho or Rashford. But out of all the penalty misses that you get, what's going to happen next to these kids? And does Southgate think, oh shit, yeah, actually, maybe I shouldn't have done that to him. Stevie, the point you make about um, what one of the senior players to say something, to say, I will take this instead. Who? Who could it have been who was on the pitch at that time who isn't Sterling. themselves a young and experienced player anyway? There's three straight away. There's three. There's Henderson. three straight away. Henderson. Henderson got dragged. Henderson got dragged. Yeah, Henderson got dragged. There's three straight away. Go on. Raheem Sterling stole them off world-class players at Manchester City yeah. time, time and time again and scored a winner in that stadium in to the win the League Cup final. final. Yeah, yeah. Jack Grealish has scored for Aston Villa, where he's adored by his supporters mm-hmm. and supposedly did say to the manager, yeah. I'd want I'd one to take. Well, I want I'll, to I, 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 I'll, give you, I'll give you Sterling, but Grealish, is, is he in favour of that manager? Now, if he says to that oh. manager, I'm taking this penalty, get out of my way, I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And if he misses, is he going to, you know, yeah. what's that relationship going to be like? Yeah. I'm he's just thinking on. about... How much net, how much um, influence have these young players got? Sterling, definitely, I agree. Yeah. Sure Grealish has got that influence or well, that, um, or, or, or he's got the bottle even to say that in front of a manager who doesn't rate him yet. That's right, well, what, what, I, what I've picked up on on Grealish is that he's come out today on social media defending himself against Roy Keane. Yeah. I wanted I wanted a peno, but all I saw Jack Grealish was sat down having his calf rubbed for the whole of the break time while they were sorting out the penalties. Rodri sent us all a clip today of Ronaldo. I'm taking the first, you're taking this, you're yeah. taking that, you're taking that. that Jack Grealish is claiming that he wanted a penalty, but he was sat down for the whole of the mm. sorting out. So that doesn't convince me uh, that he really wanted one, but he's saying he is. But the other one that nobody's mentioning is Luke Shaw. 26 years of age. I think it's today. Yeah, yeah. 26 years of age. I was happy with the goal, right? Everything went downhill from there. He's played ever so well in the tournament, ever so well. He's turned a few people around as well. Myself, he's done ever so well. He's made goals. He's scored on the evening. He's got 120 minutes in his legs. But only five weeks ago was he taking a penalty in a Europa final for Manchester United. He's already been down the path with this. He's already had this experience. He should have definitely taken one before Saka, before before Sterling, before Grealish. But nobody's mentioning Shaw. What about Pickford? Yes. That's, I said that as well. I said Pickford would have smashed that. Pickford would have Pickford, smashed that. If you, see, if you see him going in the video, Pick, Pickford was no like seventh. 
he, he, there's, a, there's a video of him and choosing, and he says Phillips, your six, uh, um, Pickford seven, and he points to Grealish eight, but Grealish is off camera. Really, Rob? Do you know what's so, happened? Do you remember that photograph of Grealish and Saka chatting up those girls in the stadium? Oh, when they're lying yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what's happened? I bet you Grealish has been cock blocked by Saka. And he wants to get one back on him. So he says, you take a penalty. You take the fifth penalty, bro. No, that's I mean, deep. That's oh, deep. Sell, that's sell, man. I mean, <laughs> you're rich. Sell, I'm man. just saying. Sell. I mean, we've seen the pictures of um, Grealish with paid a uh, company. So... Is it, it, well, allegedly... Allegedly, alleged, allegedly. Alleged paid company. Yes, alleged paid company. You may um, have met her on a street corner, but you don't know. Ooh. Look, location, look, location is, is, is a minor detail. Where <laughs> you know about geography. You, you've given that geography lesson about Sancho <laughs> and, and Saka. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to change your name to Tom Tom. Is that a brass? Huh? Is that a brass? What's that? Alleged paid company. Is that a brass or a prostitute? Is that what you mean? Oh, wow. We, we, we would never directly state that for libel. Okay, Dis- disclaimer <laughs> it's all alleged but as Steve Mike is, the teacher isn't saying a word no it's Mike and Steve the professionals aren't saying a fucking word they know exactly what they're doing <laughs> as, as, Steve, as Steve Air was alluded to earlier two things first of all if he brought on Sancho and Rashford earlier so he didn't just have to come on and be bloody defenders they would have had more touches of the ball, and I'm sure yeah. that would have impacted yeah. their penalties, right? Yeah. But also as well, the, pick, the two players he took off, Walker and Henderson, I've seen Carl Walker score quite a few goals outside the box for Manchester City, so he, I don't think he would have had a problem taking one. And when Gerard left, until James Milner came, Jordan Henderson was our bloody penalty taker. So these men would have taken penalties, so the whole thing, all oh, just yeah. went out, he just, he's just discombobulated and, and just fell under pressure at the wrong time. Southgate, if it's a case that he picked them. But I think it was an emotive thing because you saw when they beat Germany, he was talking about, oh, um, I saw David Seaman on the big screen and I'm really sorry for 96 and what the, what the, and, and all this. He was just putting too much pressure on himself and that's impacted in the most important game, his decision-making within the match, the in-game management and then here with the penalties as well because English could have, England could have won this one. Lads, I, I said to Rodri and Stell today, um, so this is for you and, and, and Steve there. I don't know if you saw about three weeks ago at St George's Park as a stunt. They gave Saka a golf club on a mat, one of them who try and swing the ball at the screen. And it's not his fault that he's probably never picked a golf club up before in his life. But he couldn't, he couldn't hit the ball. And it's all I could think of when he was placing the ball on the spot. He looked like he was trying to hit it through water. But it was. You need to try. It must be. He couldn't hit the ball off the floor against the screen, and we're trusting that. You know, you might not think it's relevant. You might laugh, no, but no, all, no. I could think about, all I could think about was when he's placing. This guy can't even hit a, hit a, a ball with a golf club. Steve, for me, for me, his his downfall was getting in that fucking unicorn rubber yeah. ring thing. <laughs> that did it because everyone was like, okay, they're making fun of it, like not laughing at him, but laughing at the the whole banter side of things. But I'm like, this this is getting silly now because you're you're putting him front and center. Yeah, and when joke, it comes to- joking aside, he's been England's arguably England's best player. Who's Yeah, he's been. What, Eddie Sterling? 
turned, didn't even drop a shoulder or anything, took out three men and then tried to bend it in the corner and Pickford's made the save. So if it wasn't the saves that Pickford made, this game would have been done in normal time. You saved the penalties and everyone else, unfortunately, has let you down. But just just poor penalties, man. There's so many bad penalty takers in world football, but because they do this stupidness with the run-up, they're able to do whatever, they roll the ball in or whatever, but just nonsense, just poor penalties, man. There was, a, there was one with Cristante as well when the ball was played across the box and Cristante's gone in and he's, he's thrown his body in the, in the way it's yeah, Pickford, yeah. but yeah. All right, uh, Mike, I'll, I need to ask you this because you were there. Um, a lot happened before the game outside the stadium. What, what did you see? What did you see with your own eyes there? Because we've obviously seen the footage on social media. What was it like for you as a volunteer? Because I heard, rumour has it, that the stewards were so overwhelmed, people such as yourself had to step in and help out. Um, it was carnage. It was bedlam. Um, there were far too many people there who, you know, in, uh, in terms of, you know, there were more people there than who had tickets. And I, I think it's, I was having this discussion with someone um, earlier today, um, that the way the new Wembley has been constructed, Wembley Way and so on and so on, it's, it's like a shopping precinct as well. You can't get out on the sides. It's all blocked off. So you, all, you come out of the station, you go straight, that's it. And then go round when you want, once you reach the top of the the top of um, uh, Wembley Way. Um, the, 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 I've never seen so much broken glass and empty, you know, cans of beer and and Tesco bags and Sainsbury's bags and every other bag that, that sells alcohol. It was just, it was carnage. Um, there was lots of there was lots of good, uh, lots of good atmosphere, lots of positivity, lots of singing and dancing. But it's once after a certain time during the day, you could see that people were very, very pissed up. And you can hear the conversations. How are we going to get in? When are we going to get in? When do we storm it? Because, um, you know, I, I was, there's one video which I actually saw myself in it, where they actually storm it, storm the part where it's where the Wembley Arena is. Mm-hmm. And they storm it. And all the, the gates are going. That's when we try to try and help. That's when it happened. Um, and... Yeah, it was it was it was crazy. It was scary as well. At some point, it's scary being in amongst people um, who are pushing and shoving, and all they want to do is just get to somewhere where everyone wants to get to illegally. In fact, um, what's his name? Palios, the XFA head. He was there as well, and he's looking around and thinking and saying, "This should never be happening. This should never be happening." He was he was there when when they when they push when they push one of the gates over. But it was, um, it, it, was, it was difficult. And the unfortunate thing is, is that it's a negative stereotype of your typical English fan as perceived by others. And that stereotype was unfortunately perpetuated, was actually given a worldwide audience because there was a, there was a load of good nature, lots of good stuff. You know, Italian fans mingling with English fans, taking photos together. There's loads of that. That's not going to get reported. What's going to get reported is the negativity. And yes, volunteers had to help out the stewards and police were there. There just weren't enough people to police it. They just, they just weren't. There was too many. If you've got 5,000 people and there's only five or 15 people trying to stop you, it's not going to happen. It's just not. It's just physically impossible. What, what I don't understand, did the authorities not realise that this would happen? Did they really think that people w- wouldn't turn up without tickets in one of the biggest games, in fr- if not the biggest England game since 66. They honestly uh, thought that people wouldn't turn up without tickets. 
I think what, what one of the things was though, in, in order to get past the first barrier, you have to show your um, your, your COVID nineteen uh, that you got um, either a, a negative test within the last forty eight hours or you're double vaccinated. That's the first part, and then there's another yeah, but part. Sorry, again, sorry, mate. When you say here. barriers, are you talking about like barriers that are being like basically concreted down that it's almost difficult no, to get no, through? No, They're no, just no, those no. guardrails that you can lift the, and guard, throw. Guardrails and humans. Yeah. And didn't that's what use, I mean. If people storm through that. It's, it's too easy. Didn't they use the guardrails like to climb up the wall at one point as well? Yeah, they turned them over. Yeah, they turned them over. Use that as a ladder. Use that like ladders. Yeah. 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 It was. It was. Um, it was. It was crazy. It was crazy. Well, these, you've seen the Wembley, you know, cup finals or whatever, and you, you see the glass, you see the the littering. That is. No, this was on a different level. Yeah. Really. We, 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 yeah. Uh, it, Look, we've been all over Europe together, um, still. You know, we've gone, we've gone to Cardiff, been to Wembley, gone all over the country to watch mm. United. This was on a different level, trust me. This, this, was, yeah. even, this was even worse than Barnsley. Well, when you got a coin thrown at you and we yeah. were told to go back to our own countries. Honestly, it was, you know, there, there were pockets of positivity, but there was, there was pockets of negativity. Negativity was... Um, yeah, it wasn't nice. The thing nice. is, what I will say, though, right, what I will say is that, you know, jibbing, <laughs> whether it be matches or the railway or whatever, it's kind of sticking a middle finger up to the to the authorities. It's sticking a middle finger up to the man, so to speak. So To pay is to fail. Well, this is it. And, and you know, Rod, Steve, all the rest of you guys, we've seen it before at stadiums. We've seen it before, like someone getting really touched tight here. So when the turnstiles open, they, you, you go through it, it, it. It's standard. And when you hear how much money are being spent on tickets and then you hear, you hear someone's gone in and paid absolutely nothing and they, they stood in the walkway, for me, it's like, that's like a win. But at the same time, you've got to focus on the, the, the safety side of things. And forget COVID. That, that goes out the window because when you have the guy from, was it, is it the, the, the FIFA president or the AFA president was at the, the Copa America final in Brazil? And then he flew from a, a, a red, what's it called? A code, country. Huh? He was on, the, Brazil's on the red list. And he's the, on the red list. And yeah. he's flown to England overnight and he's gone to the game. He hasn't had to self-isolate. How does that fucking make sense? But what I was saying, forget the COVID side of things. The safety aspect. We've heard about Hillsborough. We've seen what's happened in the past. And okay, I know, I know it's nothing like Hillsborough. It's not to that extent whatsoever, but I'm just use it as an example. But what, what can you say to people that have gone in? Do you say, well done because you, you know, you you're an opportunist or do you say you're an asshole because other people have paid that which way do you see it because for me i'm like well i know how much wembley tickets are and for a final if you can get in and manage to watch the game without anyone saying anything to you it's like robbing a bank right the easier thing to the, the easy answer to that question is that there, it wasn't a full stadium yeah that, that, that that's yeah. the easy easy answer there's twenty thousand empty seats apparently but then when you look, you look around, and certainly it happened with the Denmark game, there wasn't only 60,000 there. There was more 70,000, if not more. But and, no one was know, sitting down anyway. Everyone stands. Everyone was well, standing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, three people to a seat. Yeah. Rod, what do you reckon? Good on them? Uh, well, growing up from seeing it, there is, you know, there are professional jibbers. They just go there to jib in, to get in. And they are successful doing it, but this is just on a. On a Mike, Mike says this is dangerous on a different scale when you barriers and and it's just down to the government, police, and they shouldn't 
realise that this is going to happen, have more police, police on horses to deter this. It's simple as that. They're on stupid barriers, 15 people against 500 people, pissed up, drinking, and whatever else they're doing all day. They have got a frigging chance, and then you've got volunteers getting involved. It's just a joke. It's down to the government. It's as simple as that. They should produce proper policing. It's a flipping European Cup final, which the whole nations are involved in, and it's a Sunday night, night at eight o'clock where people are going to be out from 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock drinking. So by the time it comes seven o'clock, they don't give a frigging fuck who's there. They go each day over the barriers. So if there's a police force and a lot of policemen there with shields and, and riot gear on, they're going to think twice about it. But, you know, they should have seen this coming. Instead, like Mike says, it's this, this reported and goes around the world again. English fans just being English. Steve, what would what you hear or what do you think when you hear these things? You know, Main Road wasn't... <laughs> was anything like Wembley kip acts and all that I'm sure you know you might have known a few people that have got in the stadium without paying but still when it, when it comes to the safety element I mean the, without sounding like a snowflake there were children at Wembley that's it, that's it. you know that's how I feel still just listening to you some, some, some great knowledge from you all there I'm not consistent when I categorise this I think the Wembley Stadium one was it not United and Barcelona where there was a record amount of jibbers who, who got in. So they say maybe I just heard that because it was obviously, you know, Manchester lads telling stories. So I got to hear about it, but there was supposed to be obscene amount of numbers got in that ground that evening. But if it was us six, I'd turn a blind eye to it because I think we're hardened footballers. Uh, sorry, hardened football supporters. Um, it's just the fact that the, you've just about to mention it, Stell. Children, women, pensioners, lads not necessarily like ourselves. Does far, it, it far outweighs what we are, where we would just see somebody jump, jump in and think, oh, that's not ideal, but we'd probably turn a blind eye to it. But if you were taking, I've got three daughters myself, um, I've got an elderly father, it, 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 it's not on, and especially with the tag and history of what British football has had over forever and, and a day, really, with Heisel and things like that. It's Hillsborough. No, not n- not great, really. Still, still. Yeah. And I, you know, I was at, in Barcelona in 99. There was so many fake tickets and so many people jumping the fence. There was no way 90,000 people in Barcelona. It was the same deal there. It was scary, though. It was, it was scary at one point because you're just looking around the ground and there's just no space and just... It is a scary at one point because there are old people, kids, families there, and these people they're just they're just groups of yobs just just trying to just cause chaos. Yes, they're only trying to get get in and watch the match, but they're not thinking about the people surrounding them who just come in just for for a family day out, and they're just coming and just coming and just coming to jib it and just try and ruin someone's day. Selfish. Yeah. Yeah. But and, uh, it, is, it is, like I say, it is scary. Because I remember it was, it was halfway up Barcelona, so it was quite high. And it was it's scary. And the scene, the, the scene yesterday that like Mike describes, it's, yeah, kids, could, they get flipping. It's not good. Roger, what, what would you do if somebody, if somebody came and jibbed in a complete stranger, uh, an adult, he jibbed in, you'd bought your ticket, and you find you stood at your seat... And he comes and joins you and shares your space at your seat. What what would you what would you do if you didn't know him? Uh, it depends, really. 
if you sit and stand in there and be quiet and watching a ma- watching a match, and you, yeah, I won't be bothered. But if he's being annoying and he's getting turfed or getting moved, right? See, this is the thing. I mean, I don't I don't believe in knee jerk reactions. But looking at what happened yesterday, um, and you know, my daughter got well, we got an email saying, oh, the kids can come in at 10 o'clock in the morning and uh, they can start to watch the game and yada, yada, yada. And then on the television, you see these football fans doing what they did. And my kid, I'm sitting there looking at, I'm thinking, I'm never taking her to a game. I'm never, I've taken her to a women's game, a women's football game, because she can relate to it. I'm never taking her to a men's game, not in the UK anyway. If I go to Cyprus, I'll take her, it's just village football, as Rod says. I'm joking. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'll, I'll take her to a game in Cyprus but I wouldn't take her to a game in England, not men's game anyway. No fucking chance. No chance. What, so at Old Trafford? No. I mean, that's. Well, I haven't been to Old Trafford since collapse. 2010, and I, I won't go back until the Glazers fuck off. That's another story. But I'd, I'd never, never, no. Did anyone see the video where they where they came into the stadium? Someone's video where they came into the stadium, and they and one guy runs in with a with a child in their hand in their arm. Oh really? Yeah. What? Watch some of the video. Some of the footage. Uh, that video was taken by a volunteer inside, from what from what I understand, because you know, you know it, it just went round, and they run in, they're running with a child. They're like, run it. it was crazy. I think I, I seen a guy on the inside punching as many as he could that were sneaking in with the I ball. Saw that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A makers. He was like, he was like taking them all on. I was getting and kids. Wasn't he swearing at the stewards, going, "This is your job, smash"? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But hey, uh, I guess let's let's talk about this one then. The the, the racist abuse, which was, I, I guess it was inevitable, wasn't it? It was inevitable. Um, we've seen it how many times? I've lost count, and we hear the same story again. Oh well, what can Twitter do? What can Facebook do? What what can Instagram do? And I think we can just agree to disagree on this one, or just. I don't know what you guys think about this, but if it affects the people in question in the pockets, i.e. Twitter, Facebook, UEFA, if it affects their pockets, that's when they're going to do something. Am I right here? Yes, you're correct. Because that's effectively what it is, isn't it? If, if, if Twitter put out this new rule saying you need to provide ID um, and, uh, you know, people stop subscribing or signing up because you can't use a monkey emoji then obviously it's going to hit them in the pockets because they're going to have enough people on the platform people aren't going to be advertising it's not going to be financially feasible to 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 um invest in twitter make it law make it law this is where governments can actually do something if yes the- i agree but look at what pretty patel did she was complaining saying that players were a disgrace for taking the knee they're a disgrace and now now she's condoning the racist abuse. Do you know, I was so a hypocrisy. It's I the taking the knee stance is an, I say is an awkward one because I do worry that it becomes nothing more than an empty gesture because it has done nothing to stop the racism. It is, and all it's done is causing more divisions. However, saying that. If I know now that if I took a knee before a football game, it boils the piss of a racist, I'll do it. Purely for that reason, because it's not going to stop racism, but if it's going to cause them anger, and it's the only way that you can get back at them. And mm. I, oh, Sorry, I, I apologise for this rant now. 
but we talk about the company we talk about companies we talk about governments what about us every one of us as an individual like you look at these and i will use inverted commas fans who have shown racial xenophobic assaults towards black people towards italians on social media and in person if you know any of them ask them why did they do it what what was their reason behind it ask and listen to their reason because i can guarantee you now as a spoiler it isn't a good enough reason no matter what they say and you as an individual and we like have to do this collectively cut them out of your life you cannot be associated you cannot have people like that in your life if you're not willing to educate them or put just give them a bit of understanding of their actions because it's inhuman i'm sorry like I've got lads who, who I manage and coach at football. For these boys to go, I don't support England. I was like, why? Why? It's your home country. You wait until what happens afterwards. And they're literally lads saying like, oh, it's an awkward one trying to get home at Wembley after that game. Because there is genuine fear. Because you have these louts that, England, fucking Neanderthals. And I apologise for the swearing. But they are Neanderthals. They are people who are so uneducated, they cannot control and express their emotions in a rational manner. You have these people as part of society. We don't deserve good, nice things in society when people like that are still part of it. I, yeah, sorry, they're just... I, I don't know. Joey, I, I think, to be honest, you, you're not anywhere... You're not far off the mark at all. I think you've hit, you've hit the bullseye, in all fairness. Um, and it's been difficult watching England, not because they're doing well, because the players have, haven't done anything wrong. They've they've done their jobs. Gareth Southgate's done their job, and the majority of the fans have been fantastic. You know, I I like seeing the the the, the flags and people being proud of of the nation. It's, it's brilliant. The, the togetherness has been fantastic, but there's been a minority of people who have got no morals. As you said, they're, they're, they're Neanderthals. There's horrible, horrible people. You know, I'm, even even today, I'm hearing on the tube they were throwing cans at other people and people that were telling them to be quiet or keep it down. The football's done, giving them abuse for what? For what? And see, this is the thing. And and forgive me for saying this, but it comes to a point where I want England to get knocked out of tournaments early because I'm fed up with seeing the same stories time and time again. And it's sad because I've lived here all my life. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a taxpayer. I've grown up in, in, this, in this country. And for me to say, I don't want them to win because of some of the people, some, not all, yeah. some, it's horrible. I, sh- I shouldn't be saying this. I, I'm, I'm just, you know, opening up. This, this is uh, our sanctuary, I guess. And ask a question to everyone. Is Ox. this... Is this, is this- is this a football thing or a society thing or a bit of both? Yeah, both. It's, it's a society thing that is exacerbated in football because when you come together as a crowd, you can hide amongst the crowds. There's like psychological tests about this. Uh, if you were, um, I realise it's a tangent, Darren Brown done it with an audience. They wear faceless masks and they decide what happens to that person. When you're in a crowd of people... Ain't the one where they put their penises through the hole and you've got to guess which one, which penis belongs to who, right? <laughs> I, I don't know about that one. I had a short <laughs> throat um, <laughs> But when you, when you become just one person in a sea of people and you feel that your actions are not going to get... There are no consequences to it. Your morals become corrupt. 
And in a football fan, if you're joined by 20 other people with racial, with racist views, you kind of hide within that group. And it is very, you, it's, yeah, because you have the hooligans and because you have the crowds, when you bring people together, it can go one of two ways. It's the positivity. How many nights have you, all you gents, been at an away game or been at a game and you're hugging a stranger next to you because your team just scored a winning goal or you've got those three points or you've got a last-minute equaliser? How many times have you shared such positive emotions with randomers? And then at the same time, there's that teetering edge of where you have such negativity. Yeah, but how many, so times, the, how many times have you been to a nightclub abroad and you've heard people singing two world wars, one world cup? Like, I, I, I mean, those, those are the people, people that we're talking about. Do you know what I mean? Sorry, uh. Sorry I had to make a lie. Um, just saying. No, no you see, yeah, I'm just saying. The time, it's this hooligan nature where they feel that if they're part of a crowd, they're unstoppable. But really, they're just scared, afraid individuals. You look at the root cause of racism. Why would someone hate someone else because of the colour of their skin? Because they're scared. Because they're, they're, they've got such insecurities about themselves. Anyone different to them, they perceive as a threat. That's the only thing I can think of. How can you dislike someone because of how they look, because of who they are? Unless they are a threat to you because you have such insecurities in your life as you as a person, you cannot control your emotions. And you cannot control your self-esteem. Football is tribal, and that 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 doesn't help. Football is tribal. I mean, when I was growing up, um, me and my brother, we, we used to go to England games. I went. To, I remember going to England Brazil when R nine scored at the old Wembley. I went to England Greece when they got when Greece got spanked five nil. Um, I happened to be in Poland um, when England were playing Poland, and this was the last, This was the time when it, with a penny dropped for me in terms of what your you know, that, 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 when I said the perception earlier, the, the negative perception of the stereotypical England hooligan, Paul Lynch scored for England in a World I think it was a World Cup qualifier, European qualifier in Poland. And there was a large number who were giving him, think of any name that you would call a black person, they gave it. They did not want Paul Lynch to be the goal scorer, even though he scored for their country. They travelled to Poland to support England, but because a black player scored, they didn't like it and they felt they need to abuse him. And I, I tweeted this earlier today. I, I volunteered at the London Olympics as well. And that's tribal as well. You're there for, you know, it, it's, it's by nature, it's countries versus country on a huge mass scale. The Olympics is a huge event, but the positivity um, around London 2012 going on the tube, talking to strangers. It was wonderful. It was great. It was, a, it was a beautiful month. And then when I compare to last night, wow, it's chalk and cheese. That's why I mentioned, that's why I asked the question whether it's a football thing or a society thing or a bit of both. But um, I think that, that the tribal element, which what attracts us to football in the first place is also possibly one of the reasons why that, that negativity stands out as well. Dan, Dan, I'm, I want to quote Big Nasty here. I'm going to uh, embrace the awkward silence because I put the room on mute. When it comes to um, racism and you've seen the emojis and all that, as a black guy yourself, you're probably looking at it thinking, I'm, I'm not surprised anymore. It was inevitable. 
that that's what I'm thinking that you're thinking. It's not like oh, I'm I'm disgusted. Of course, you are disgusted, but it's it's the 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 whole disgusted mm-hmm. feeling has been kind of uh, what's the word overtaken by the sense of it's normal. It's normal. It's going to happen, isn't it? That's that's what is horrific about this. That's why it's so sad because as soon as even just Rashford missing. I knew exactly what was going to happen. And that's how bad it is that you know that it's, it's going to happen. And um, it's just so it's just so sad that things like that, things are like that. But the, the media don't help. It's a lack of education because obviously Michael saying no, it's just a football thing or society. It's a lack of education with things. And look, nobody's born racist. So it's a learning. It's what you see, what you're exposed to. Some people... I understand might have had bad experiences with someone from another race. But when you see kids and they're playing around and whatnot, there's no colours. Nobody, nobody's seeing colours. I remember there was um, a video that went viral a few years ago where there's a white lady and um, her daughter and someone, something was missing in the house. And then she went to the daughter and she goes, ah, oh, um, who took it? Who took it? And she goes, "Oh, yeah, it was the black man." And then the mum's laughing and whatnot because there was no black man. Things in the house, no one's broken to your house and taken anything. Mm-hmm. It's society has to do better. The media has to do better. But with everything, like I, what what is going to happen unless they do the verification thing? What is going to happen to these people that can just freely go around and racially abuse people because? The other day, for instance, um, there was a versus battle and it was Keith Sweat against Bobby Brown. And I tried to record 30 seconds of it and put it up on Instagram and it wouldn't accept. And it said, your video has been removed. Or so, it wasn't even a video, it was a status update. Wasn't it, wasn't it? But people were going around, you're getting paedophilic tweets, racial ones, all these things going on and absolutely nothing is happening to these people. But Previously, when we've spoken about this, I think still alluded to the fact that um, the clicks, they make money, don't they? Or for the clicks and whatnot. So they're not going to do this because people are not going to believe whether it's been said to them or not about this racist tweet and they're going to feel they need to respond to it. So the more that goes, the more money is being made for these social media outlets. So they're not going to do much. Apparently, they're saying a thousand messages were removed earlier or whatever. But all the things I've been sent, I've searched these people's names and most of them are still coming up. It's just, it's, it's just poor. And I just wish that it had, well, I, obviously we want England to win, but to say it was three black players or two black ones, one mixed race one, and it was all in a row as well. I just had to log off to it. It was just too much. Man. Was you know, there was, there was one guy, there, there was one guy who put out a tweet and everyone found out who he was, where he worked, and then this morning, his company put out a statement saying, oh, his, his account was hacked. <laughs> Nonsense. What, 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 what more can you say? What yeah, more can you yeah say? he's been suspended. He's been suspended. Is that oh. Savills? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah because... <laughs> this is, the, think of For, that uh, excuse. investigation. Yeah. Ah, oh, yes. Think, think of that excuse. I, oh, do you know what? I'm going to be racist, but I'm going to break into someone else's account to do it. This is the only time I'm going to do it. Or it could have been the person who's a little bit pissed up, a little bit racist, and it's come out to the forefront, and he's been found wanting now. 
And instead of having some bollocks and saying, yeah, it was me, I apologise, he's gone out the shit house route and said, oh, no, it was someone else, someone else got me phone. Yes, well, typical, isn't it? Typical. It's, it's, it's sickening, man. Just vow individuals about it. They just get away with it. So they're just going to continue. It's education. They need educated. They are about yeah. all that. They wouldn't have a team of immigration. There's only three English only players on the team. Exactly. Exactly. Literally, oh, no. only three English people <laughs> on that team. The rest are all <laughs> foreigners. Sure. Did, did Owen Hargreaves ever get this much abuse? Bearing in mind he was born in Canada with a Welsh grandmother and was probably the least English person possible. And he spoke with a German accent for a bit. Ah. Don't, don't get me started on the cricket team. Don't even get me started on the cricket, the cricket legend. English cricket legend. Isn't the cricket oh, team, if you visited the UK on holiday one summer, you count? Exactly. Yeah. You've got you've got Zimbabwe in South Africa. Oh, don't, don't, Australia's don't. all over the place. Education. These people are educated, but unfortunately, most of these people don't go to school because they're dicks. <laughs> but that's the thing. The kids, like, it is a generational thing. If you see your parents saying these comments, and they say it enough, it becomes the norm. And yeah. I, I know people in my life that I've grown up with who have had these views. And for some of them, I think they've educated themselves and they've, they've now seen the error of their ways. And I know for a fact there are some people that I would have grown up with at school who still, ha- who still hold those views. And I, how do you remove them from society with, you know, by legal means? Because, because all I can think of is wanting to hurt them because... <laughs> Well, that, like I, I, I have friends who, as I say, I coach football, and they go, "We're English until we're black," and it's and it's usually the f- thing of you know everyone's loving the England players. As soon as something goes wrong, bam. Yeah, 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 yeah. The sad thing is that when the game finished yesterday, because I watched it at a mate's house, I didn't leave his house until two hours after it finished because the roads that there was no way I was going out of there. And we shouldn't no. have to live. We shouldn't no. have to live like that. But that's how it is. There's some shocking scenes from in and around Wembley. Of there's one, there's a black guy. I think they've just come from a bar. Is that where the three men Thames? He's being cornered up on the side, and there's like about eight white people. Um, and it's just, it's, it's just absolutely. This country's, uh, it's just, uh, it's terrible, man. This because because we all we all know everyone knows each other, and he's going to pass that message on now to Sancho. Saka, uh, Saka and, and Rashford to let them know that they're not happy. It, I just, as I say, it's small-minded yeah. people that can't control their emotions or express themselves. Well, I don't think there's a, there's an immediate solution. Uh, it's a long-term thing, obviously, but yeah, expect it to continue, unfortunately. Well, look, before we wrap it up, we've got some good news, I guess. The, the podcast charts are in, Rodri. We're 21st in France. We are 18th in Russia, 29th in Norway, 30th, no, 10th in Denmark, 10th in Denmark, 23rd in Italy, 27th in Belgium, 17th in Poland, 
fifth in the Ukraine, or Ukraine as they like it, fifth in Slovakia, 16th in Nigeria, eighth in Latvia, ninth in Cyprus. Sorry, Ghana, they don't like us, D. We need to be on more often. We need our, our Ghana numbers to come up. You've been, you've been top five in Ghana before, though. So, we, know, we have, we have. I've tried, but, you know, I've tried to spread the words. But you're Ghanaian, not Nigerian. So maybe they're tuning in because they think you're, you're Nigerian. You know? And I know the rivalry there, you know, you can't get them, can't get them mixed up. It's, it's not right. It's not they got, right. They got no choice that's confused with the um, French Montana and Drake tune. Sorry, yes, stuff. Yes, when, when it was shooting the fence, it was much easier to promote. Yes. <laughs> yes, room, for, room for improvement there, isn't there? A lot of them. <laughs> but it's all right. We're doing well. Top 30 yeah, in yeah. many charts, you know, can't yeah. complain, can't complain. No, all right, no. gents, that's it. That is it. For when, the... So when, what happens now then? So we're back there. So when they see that's it now for a bit, now, aren't we? So the season starts. Well, well, I was going to do this off air, but Monday, I don't know if, if any of you guys want to jump on the podcast because I might have Davide Petrucci on, former Man United Academy uh, forward. He ended. He came from Roma, I think, and then he yeah. didn't quite make it at United and he's been doing the rounds all over Europe. So I'm going to have him on um, and I'm going to see what, what happened at United, see if he can... See if he can spill some what was beans. It, what's, his name? what's his name? Petrucci. He came the same time as Makeda. Uh, is he Italian as well? Yes. Is it David Petrucci? Yep, David yeah, Petrucci. David Petrucci. All right. Yeah. Okay. Are we not doing a, an auction thing for the um, for the list? Yes. That and that was the other thing I was going to say. We're going to do uh, our, our auction for the Premier League. I'll actually take this one serious. Yeah, you're, you're going to spend 175 million pounds on Antonio Marshall. <laughs> that, 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 that was just me bidding Steve. I went for it wrong. Right. <laughs> all like... part of my master plan. All part of my master plan. Oh, now I'm going to record this one from the beginning and put it as a podcast. I don't care if it's five hours, six hours long, because we've got Premier League this time. So we're going to do a Premier League auction. Yeah, yeah I'll definitely, take, definitely take this one serious. Okay. Okay. I think I think what we should do is like maybe like a twenty quid entry and donate it to charity. What do you reckon? Get as many people yeah, as possible. I'm, I'm 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 happy to take more money off you. No problem. <laughs> well, if Calvert Lewin joins United, he's going to get twenty goals in the season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we've got we've, we've got enough donkeys at United at the minute. <laughs> okay. From now on, just send donkey emojis. Oh, yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Right. Uh, socials. Rodri, go on, kick us off. Rod James Giggs. Excellent. D. <laughs> um, it's on the screen, but yeah, at double D, D U B U L D W. Come on, Argentina. <laughs> well, well, oh, because I want to cop America. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. And Mike is wearing his Zico shirt. Did, did, you, did, you watch, did you watch the game? The game, no, was, I didn't. the game was horrendous. They were just oh, yeah. oh. D, did you think the, the pitch was bubbly? The pitch yeah. was bubbly. They couldn't pass it 10 yards without the ball doing the madness. They were just founding each other. It was it, it, terrible. Yeah, it started again a bit. Not at the end, didn't it? <laughs> Fred got booked off to like 30 seconds. Neymar was getting booted all over the guy. He was, he was. But how good was DePaul? What's the oh, pass yeah. on the very, goal? Very good. But he was, he, was another, he was another spinning Zola. He was all over the guy. He, he, yeah, he went to um, Fing this afternoon. Um, and Leica Madrid, yeah. yeah. Bargain. Because I know Leeds wanted him, which would have been interesting. Yeah, Leeds were supposed to get him last season. Yeah, what happened, what happened with that? 
They said it was done last year and then... But was he, he was at Udinese, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's gone to Atletico, yeah. which means that Koke might be going to Liverpool. And, and, and D, you know, if anyone needs to know about Koke, there's someone on social media from Newcastle <laughs> oh, no, that no, can no. tell you it's all it's you Saul. need to know. It's Saul, it's Saul. It's sorry, it's only yes. Sorry, sorry, it's better. No, 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 no. I know who you're on about now. Don't start on that one. Do not start there. What? Come on. No, I know exactly you're on about. Oh, come on. Share the boot hey, with it's coming home on it. By the way, follow. Is he another one of these? No. 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 He's no, no, no. A, a, the person in question. No, 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 we're, like, we're live. We're live. We're live. We're live. We're, we're live. We're live. We don't want any, any, any trouble. I'm not saying names. I'm not saying names or anything. I'm just saying. Don't, don't, want, don't want the thirsty men to start abusing us. Mike, what's your socials? Um, at Del Pieri. Steve, uh, what's your name? <laughs> Mac. Tom Tom. I told you I'll call you Tom Tom from now on. I, do you know what? I need to change mine to at Fat Luke Shaw. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only going to embrace it. Peter, 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 I used to be called Luke Shaw, and then he got fit, and they went, "You're fat, Luke Shaw." <laughs> <laughs> and it was just one of them that he just died a little bit on the inside of. Yeah, I need to go on the treadmill. So what's um, your My act is yours truly, Mister Mac. There you go, and Steve is the only sensible one out of all of us. He doesn't use social media. Is he frozen, or is he just like? Can you see me? Yeah, you go. I thought you froze for a second. <laughs> just staying still like that, pretending, pretending that he's not I here. Keep, I just keep reading your Twitter, lads. I just keep reading your Twitter, lads. I don't go, don't do it myself. He's a lurker, the smart one. But it's, been a good, it's been a good few weeks, though. It's been a good. What do you think of all the tournament, the games, and stuff? Brilliant. Exceeded expectations. Games. Yeah. yeah. B plus, B plus, and and it ends well. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we all like a good ending. He's got that one. That, that's that's the thumbnail for the pod. That's, that, that's the thumbnail right there. Roger, yo, did, yo, you see me Pavarotti song on Instagram last night? <laughs> oh, People are biting last night and this morning. Oh, I got some abuse. It's funny. <laughs> oh, mate, they should know you by now. That's the annoying thing. They should know you by now. Fuck me. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. All right, that's it for another episode of the No Chocolate Podcast. It's been great doing these live shows. It's been absolutely immense. Um, and the season starts tomorrow, doesn't it, Mike? And we'll oh, see in the yes. Super Cup. Oh, fuck the goddess. Ade, take care. Language. <laughs> live stream is done.